0: Bon dia, Good day to the American Shoreline Podcast Network Audience. Wherever in the world you are, I hope this episode finds you thriving, healthy, and ready for spring. I am Erica Sears, your host of Big Tourism, a show where we analyze destination management trends, case studies, and interesting experts. I may have mentioned this on a previous episode or two. But I had the amazing opportunity out of college to live in Mallorca, Spain, for two years. I worked as an English teacher in Puerto Poyenza on the north side of the island during the year and then I worked in a dive shop called Scuba Mallorca during the peak tourist season and I also tutored students on the side, so I was always busy up to something on the island. And during that time, I truly considered Mallorca to be my home. Almost all of my friends were Mallorquin, my co-workers, landlords, neighbors were Mallorquin, and the families that helped me and supported me and invited me over for dinner were all Mallorquin. Needless to say, this place has such a special place in my heart and I think about it all the time. But in addition to my personal memories, I've also used some of those experiences, especially when I worked directly with visitors at the dive shop to inform my professional path as well. A lot of the challenges that I saw in Mallorca as a mature destination are challenges and opportunities that we also see on the Oregon coast. So personally and professionally, I am obsessed with Mallorca, Spain. However, I think there is someone who is even more enamored with the island, its relationship to tourism, and the sustainable future of the people, places, and experiences that make it so magical. On the show today, I have a very special guest, Tomeo Dea Canals, joining us from Mallorca. Tomeo was the director of the Mallorca Tourist Board for almost 15 years the director of the consortium Serra de Tramuntana, UNESCO World Heritage Cultural Landscape. He's on the International Council on Monuments and Sites, which involves him with world heritage evaluations and heritage tourism assessments all around the world. And maybe most importantly, he manages a family-owned company, Condet, which includes managing the estates of the family in the Serra de Tramuntana, including the production of olive oil from ancient olive trees, the cultivation of citrus and almond trees, renting out of several holiday homes on these properties, and guided tourist visits. And that's just to name a few things that he does. So welcome to the show, Tomeo.
1: Yes, hello. First of all, I'm, I'm very impressed and I'm very grateful for your nice wor- words and experiences about your time in Mallorca, which uh, confirms my view that so many people don't expect what they find when they come, and even some, some even refuse to come, and you, you know this sensation. So as as soon as you are in the island, the, the, the situation changes suddenly. So, I'm very glad that you experienced it, and I will be very happy to explain my, my life and whatever you wish.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. You know, I wish we had met when I lived there, but I guess a podcast is as close as we can get these days. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's jump right into it, and we're going to start by talking about cultural heritage, and really talking about your personal experience with cultural heritage. Um, I think you have a very unique story, so let's start about talking about the town of Soyer and your olive grove and mill Condette. Um, Can you tell us what the town is like, what your olive grove is like? Um, Give us a picture.
1: Yes, well, so uh, Mallorca, which is about 3600 square kilometers on surface, about 22% is the uh, Serra Tramontana, so that's a mountain range. And Sawyer is a valley which is in the middle of this territory, of this uh, Serra Tramontana, which is very famous for the terracing. So they are very, very old uh, uh, dry stone walls just were built to be able to harvest. And is famous for both, uh, olive groves and orange groves, and also water uh, administration, I would say, is very important for the irrigation, especially for for the oranges and the lemons. So, also, stone is a key element in the architecture. So, most of the houses are quite old, but very hard, and keep very good isolated, especially for the summer, which is very hot, as you know. So, Sawyer is, is a real real paradise, so it's uh, mountains, and just this small way out to the sea. So, we taste the sea, and the sunsets are just incredible.
0: Yeah. I I went to Sawyer a couple of times. It always felt like a very romantic place. I was never there romantically, but I Mm -hmm. saw other people were. I was with groups of friends. Um, But yes, for our listeners out there, like you mentioned, being able to see the sunsets, you're in the mountain. And there's a lot of different cultures that have influenced Mallorca, but Sawyer as well, right?
1: Yes, of course, Mallorca, was, you, we are in the middle of the Mediterranean, so when we go backwards, hundreds or even thousands of years uh, ago, was the influence before the Romans, Cartaginese, but maybe the Romans, then Latin, well, there was a period Arabian, so still we have some Arabian influences in architecture. But, the, and then after the, the reconquest of the Christians in about 12,000, so that uh, uh, was the, the main history, but... I would like to point out the recent history. So on the last 100 years, that was the big transformation in, 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 in social uh, terms, because um, we were well, in a few years, Majorca, at the beginning of the last century, was quite humble. So many people had to emigrate, especially to Europe and South America and even in the Caribbean. But suddenly about... 1950s started tourism, even though tourism started a little little earlier, but after Second World War was uh, a real real group of people from different countries came to settle in Mallorca, inspired for the culture and the art. So there were many painters, uh, poets, uh, musicians, and so forth. So we already grew with different cultures. Even myself in the school uh, was growing with uh, people from English, even from Australia, from the States, of course. So we are used uh, to this multicultural uh, situation, which is an exception in, uh, compared to many places in Spain, where, I, where they are quite isolated just with the Spanish people.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a melting pot. This small island does have... So many cultures and even walking around, you hear German and Russian, English, French, Spanish, Mayorkin. Um, And it's interesting, too, because Tomeo um, has this long history there, but his family has been managing the Olive Grove and um, of Condet for a very long time. Isn't that correct?
1: Well, yes. As I said before, um, Mallorca, w- we must admit, was on a period quite humble due to agriculture, because as you know, uh, was not so not so. The, the profitability of agriculture is very hard, especially in the occidental world. And uh, suddenly, uh, I realized that on the 90s, start 2000, uh, we realized that we we had. A, a very big historical heritage in the family, but we need to to give to change something, to give a new impulse, to make it uh, profitable, and just to ensure the the theater, the future. So in that case, uh, we own one of the oldest oil mills in Mallorca, which is still we are still producing olive oil with traditional skills, but. Um, As I said, it was very difficult to keep the the profitability and we adapted it to tourism. So that was the main moment. And um, really, so many clients, not only the Mallorca ones, but also the the tourists appreciate the originality of this process. There are many modern systems, but uh, we are very proud of keeping the the traditional system and especially the authenticity, which is is the key word here. So, we, we have uh, ancient uh, olive groves, ancient trees, and also the oldest oil mill still working.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. And there are a lot of articles out there about your oil mill and the Grove, talking about your family owning it since 1561. Um, you know, you taking it over in the 90s from your father. So, it's amazing to see you know, how your family has adapted to tourism trends in order to, to as you mentioned, maintain, you know, your business into the future. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned it's one of the oldest oil mil- oil mills in Majorca. You still use traditional methods, but no longer donkeys, right?
1: <laughs> no. Well, it is, it's about the system now is about 90 years old. My grandfather adapted to electricity and then we keep. So um, we, 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 we need to change some machinery, but uh, uh, normally the system keeps very nice to watch. And this is a part of, 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 the, of the product, you see, to, to, to be able to show the process. And uh, really our clients appreciate it. To, of to course, yeah. contribution to keep the, the authenticity, to keep the tradition, because this is a new trend when we are so... So much industrial pressure, so now we go back to the roots. And I think it happens in many places that even to give more rural life when people just quit or went to to the cities. So that's another factor to to give us uh, extra values.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I think that visitors and locals love interacting with traditional methods. You know, you can look at a landscape maybe sometimes and and hear a story. But when you see people working it and making this product that you use every day, um, it is like an incredible reminder of the history of this place. So, um, yeah, that's incredible.
1: Yes, I didn't mention that, of course, olive oil is, is totally crucial for our cooking. We couldn't survive, I can't tell you. We couldn't survive without uh, olive oil. We, we don't know about peanut oil or, or other products, you see. Or, uh, so we are very, very engaged to olive oil, and that's why also uh, so many people uh, ask us to keep the whole system.
0: Yeah, I remember having a lot of oil, olive oil when I was there <laughs> yes. as well. I admit, I sometimes use avocado oil back in Oregon, but always think of olive oil in Mallorca. And speaking of olive oil and olive trees, I hear that you have the best monumental olive tree in Spain in your grove. Um, how old is this tree?
1: Yes, so there is an, an institution in Spain uh, who uh, every year granted the best monumental tree in Spain. Uh, we were uh, honored to get this uh, prize or grant last year. Uh, well, the, to summit uh, 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 for that prize, the tree must be more than 1,000 years old, and this is uh, when we measure the, the, the base of the tree must be at least 3,5, uh, the radio, the the surface of, of, the, of the the trunk. So, but not just that, the, the, the shapes, the location, the histories, if there are histories associated with the tree or even, or at least, the olive grove. So we, we could present uh, all of that. And we were, as I said, be, very glad. Uh, to, to get this, this uh, recognition, because was the first one that one oil tree from Majorca gets it. And is, is a homage, not only for my family, but for so many families, I pointed that out, that we're just keeping this activity, because oil, oil trees... Can you imagine uh, uh, consuming oil from, from a tree uh, so old? It, it, it should be a monument, you see? So that's,
0: that's yeah. reality. Yeah, I think it's it's amazing, and I and I'm sure you, you know you're the expert. But looking at cultural heritage, sometimes you know in the United States, especially on the west coast of Oregon, a lot of places will say like this building is 100 years old. Yes. <laughs> this beer is 110 years old, and meanwhile, you have a tree that's a thousand years old. <laughs> um, no, it's,
1: it's incredible, I tell you, and and I am and... Another factor that that contributed is, we haven't spoken yet, is that this area is a World Heritage Site. So, and even the olive groves with the terracing and even the olive trees are part of what we call outstanding universal value of the World Heritage Site. So the outstanding universal value is this human activity uh, transforming the landscape in the history just to adapt to agriculture, to rural activity, in order to survive. So this is this is our our uh, main as, asset here, to be able to keep because uh, the category of this retail site is what we call cultural landscape, and cultural landscapes mean a dyna- dynamic place, not a static. Place, just to compare. And the archaeology site is a static, it's history. Uh, even the human being uh, has nothing to do there, it must be protected from co- human contact. When we talk cultural landscape is the other way around. It needs to keep human activity, of course, within, within a limit of protection, but within these limits, it's totally necessary to keep human activity.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, it's such an interesting point too, I'm just thinking, you know, you and I have talked, like, where I'm from, we have a Dory fishing fleet, and a lot of the conversations will be people wanting to preserve the area, you know, like, don't use it anymore, don't fish here anymore, just look at it, but then looking at it as, like, a cultural landscape, like, let's protect it and acknowledge its history here, but also be able to work and fish, and in rural areas, it's really important to maintain those kind of activities, so thank you for you know bringing up the this sort of static landscape and then this cultural landscape, which can still be worked by the people. I think is a really important thing to think about when we're looking at cultural heritage.
1: Yes, because uh, stakeholder involvement, stakeholder participation is crucial. It's so important. You see, is. Mm-hmm. Any authority needs to bear in mind the feelings of, of the stakeholders.
0: Yes, yeah, and so let's let's make a bigger picture. So we've looked, you know, at Soyer, this amazing town, and Condet, you know, your olive grove, um, but maybe let's look at Mallorca, the island, a little bit bigger, um, because you were the former director of Majorca, and you have been a part of the, you know, sustainable tourism, the plan moving forward. Yes, um,
1: I had this contrast so coming from uh family from, let's say, agriculture activity, but uh, for the studies and for the well, just for, for, for probabilities, because you know, Mallorca GDP is about 80% related to tourism. You, you have been uh, uh, watching that when you were here. So, um, Tourism is is, is is so important in, in, in our economy, and I was for that one period the tourist board director, so I was very involved to the promotion of the image of Mallorca, which with many contrasts. So as you we have some I would say weak points, as happens everywhere, but maybe they were um, uh, not taken. From outside, people used to think Mallorca is just spoiled because become so many million tourists and so forth. But we always say that uh, we get such a uh, big uh, number of tourists, but at the same time, the island is more than 40% of the surface is totally protected. And the coast, especially the, 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 the coast in, in the Spanish Mediterranean coast, is the, is the more protected. So in that case, I, I was experiencing this this uh, situation and I, as I said, even some fails that have been done, we are still in, 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 in a good way to keep the, the good equilibrium between uh, tradition, heritage, history and uh, tourism as, as the main economical asset.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, Mallorca has so much to offer and I think it depends, you know, sometimes on like maybe an age group or the country that you're from, how you imagine Mallorca. Um, I think a lot of maybe the American audience isn't as familiar with the island, but for most of Europe, it's like the it's like the Hawaii of Europe. Like it's fairly cheap to get a ticket to go to Mallorca, especially on like Ryanair. <laughs> it could yes. be like uh... 40 euros. Um, so it is a very accessible place for all types of Incomes of different families and sizes and it's, countries. It is
1: a seasonal island, so as you said, like Hawaii, was a, a tourism for for beach and on, what like we say. They come, mm-hmm. but they, this tourism comes just for three from three from five months per year. It's very crowded, but the other months are very quiet. And even when the island is so crowded, there are areas where you don't feel this this, this pressure. So, uh, at least uh, we have these values. The, the protected areas are, not, uh, are, are protected, and, and this is it. So, uh, yeah, we, we can go with that, you see, at, at the end of the day. And th- th- that gives us our the uh, standard, even though the last year you can imagine has, is not, has not been so good. But right, it was uh, I tell you, it's, it's difficult. We have no industry. We have, agriculture is very limited. So our main asset is this
0: one. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, um, there's so much of the land is protected. And, you know, one of the major protections and really amazing classifications, like you mentioned is the Serra Tramuntana. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that process of becoming a world heritage cultural landscape? Was it Uh difficult? How did that come about?
1: No, normally it's quite difficult because uh, UNESCO started in 1972 to to grant the World Heritage sites, and now are about 1,300 sites in the world. So you can imagine there is a lot of concurrence because this is a very special distinction, and the process is very well, uh, is, is very slow. And so that was a very long process, about six or seven years, it takes, and the documentation is incredible. And especially for for, for the world, uh, for the um, cultural landscape, so huge. As I said, it's 22% of the fa- surface. It includes 19 municipalities, even though all are small villages, but are 19 municipalities. So the management is, 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 is very complicated. But as I said, was, Uh, In 2011, got the distinction as World Heritage Site as cultural landscape, with the main values associated to this uh, human footprint on the on the on the territory. So they appreciated especially the stone walls, which is a special skill that uh, just special people can uh, build or repair them because we don't use cement. So they need to build the stones on the walls. And then the human had to find the, the access to go to the mountains and the trees and also the water management. Just The water conductions are real monuments and they are still working. So this huge and, and the architecture as I said, in, in stone architecture. There are many old houses, manor houses, churches, mm-hmm. and so forth. So in such a big area, all is um, well heritage now. And the management, the concept implies that the area has to be preserved, of, co- of course, but needs to, keep, uh, to be able to keep uh, the people living there, especially the, the people who are settled there. So it's very, we need to find a solution between different interests just to, to be able to survive and to make especially agriculture profitable and to find the best tourism solution. We cannot avoid tourism. Touring, touring could be a problem or sometimes is a problem, but tourism is also the solution. So here is the main um, important point because also, World heritage, in, 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 in tourism terms, is the way that humankind, when you have a world heritage, to some extent, stand belongs to the whole the humanity. And the way to do this right to enjoy or least visit the, the place, of course, you can enjoy through the computer, through with images, but people need to feel the place going there. This is obvious. So in yeah. that case... The the best administration is just to find the equilibrium. And here comes sustainable tourism and responsible tourism and so forth.
0: Yeah, I think, wow, you've made a lot of amazing points that I agree with. Um, One that I think is really interesting that a lot of communities I don't usually talk about is this idea that destinations, especially World Heritage Sites, um, the Oregon Coast, all of our beaches are open to the public. There are no private beaches here. It's the mm-hmm. idea that we're preserving these for everybody forever. And so I think it's a very interesting point saying that we have this, you know, um, this need to preserve these cultural areas for the entire world. And as we mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, a lot of different cultures and people have lived in Majorca and have created the architecture there and have influenced mm-hmm. it. So it's interesting looking at who lives there now and who manages the land now, but also who's influenced it and then who we're protecting it for, which is really the entire world. And that's a big job, to mail. <laughs>
1: well, it's, it's, it's always difficult. You, you always have to be looking for, for equilibrium just to to combine different interests, you see? And at the end of the day, there is always a solution. It must be a solution, of course. But, yeah. uh, well, it's difficult because stakeholders, we have, of course, host community should be the most important, but we have authorities, we have business sector, we have knowledge sector. So sometimes intellectuality is very important, but they are, so sometimes intellectuality we, uh, they don't, they are not in the ground enough, you see. So we are always facing uneven. Tourist opinion is important for us, uh, uh, in, in tourism strategy So you need to combine all, all the stakeholders just to find the best solutions.
0: And I'm curious, um, when we're talking about stakeholders and understanding their needs and wants, what does that look like in Spain? Um, do you hold meetings? like in a building, or is this all over the phone, one-on-one conversations? How did you connect with so many different stakeholders?
1: Well, uh, you mean in, in, in the tourism uh, strategy, or you mean in general in the World Heritage Sites? In, in the World, World Heritage, Heritage? Sites, well, yeah. the World Heritage Sites, the management, and I must admit this is quite often a, a problem, or it's not a problem could be more efficiency, which sometimes is a lack of, of efficiency, but sometimes some, when it, when, it, when the management is from uh, the authorities, they, in theory, they ground a participa- participatory committee where there are representatives from all the stakeholders. But the, the point is to what extent they take in account the recommendations from the stakeholders or not. That's a different point, you see, because they manage the budgets, and this is also another issue.
0: Got it. Yeah. It's it's complicated, but fascinating. You know, like the the work that we do, I always think it's complicated to talk about, especially when we're talking about the equilibrium and trying to balance mm. different needs and interests, yeah. but that's why our jobs are so interesting and so fun mm. and compelling. So it's always nice to hear someone else yeah. struggling with these, yeah, <laughs> with these things. I, well. I,
1: I always try to, 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 to mention my humble but, uh, but intensive family activity because, as I say sometimes, I am not an advisor uh, uh, uh Thinking about theories, uh, I know the practical issues every day. You see, so I'm 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 very I'm very proud of that. So I try to find real examples.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that you know your local communities also really appreciate the mm-hmm. fact that you are Majorcan and your family has been here for so long. Yes. So your perspective is really true to mm-hmm. the people of Majorca.
1: But uh, at the end of the day, uh, because I've been in so many countries in in the world, many issues are the same everywhere and people uh, have much more in common than differences. So, and
0: that, Tomeo, that is exactly why I have this podcast, because I agree with that 100%. Yes,
1: yes so, and, and sometimes uh, small things have, have much more uh, uh, meaning than big ones. So that's, yes, that's, that's I don't know how to say. This terrible year, with always with computer meetings, I really miss. The pre and post meetings, that Absolutely. were the best moments, the best sensation, and even more profitable issues than during the meetings. I don't know how, if you get yeah. it, but
0: yeah, that's exactly. That because yeah,
1: that's ex- The meetings, especially when you do uh, by computer, sound too much official, and and I tell you, the the, the chats with with my colleagues before. Or, or, or having a drink, or having a lunch or dinner after the meeting, it's much more profitable than during the meeting.
0: Yeah, I the, think
1: the, the chance to travel, which is also uh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: yes, I definitely agree with mm-hmm. that. I think you know, those pre-meetings and post-meetings are always so much more important than the real meeting, if only because we're building trust and understanding people and their backgrounds and what their desires are. I think those meetings build trust so that when you're having complex tourism challenges or opportunities, you know each other well enough to have difficult conversations and challenging conversations. So yes, we certainly miss those sort of Mm in-person, even like the walk maybe to like lunch or something is so important yeah
1: so yeah yeah, of course Uh, it it doesn't mean that maybe we were too too fast the speed was too much the uh, sustainability issues uh, climate change issues so if we don't travel oh that's good for the planet i agree but well as everything, as I said,
0: we should be something in the middle. A nice because, balance. Uh,
1: uh, otherwise, it's no sense of, of life, you
0: see? Just- yeah, so I'm curious yeah. if we talk about, um, there was the recent strategic tourism plan of Majorca, which was 2020 to 2023 is the plan. So do you feel like that plan really included this equilibrium that you keep mentioning? Is, is there a lot of good balance uh, in that plan? Yeah.
1: In theory, yes, but sometimes the plants um, are nice to produce, and then the accountability is not so strict. So we need to to go on a few years because I am afraid of that. Even even it's hard to say the world heritage sites. As I said, the process to get it is very hard, but after many places get the distinction. There is not enough control on the management plans. Even UNESCO itself is not uh, strict, tough enough. So sometimes it, seem, it, seem, it, it seems that a management plan is, is, is the end and it should be the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think it? for all of our listeners out there, we have um, our audiences all over the United States, but also different countries. I think if you're taking notes, even mental notes, that when we're creating management plans, it's equally as important to have accountability yes. and transparency built into the plan or else you just might have a pretty plan. So I think that's yes, a really, that
1: yeah. Of course, uh, the last year, uh, everything changed. Any plan done before has to be adapted to, to the new the new trends. And even we are in a moment that we still don't know what will be the trend, because it's not yet, it's almost over, but it's not over. Well, no, the world, it's not over. So right. we know how long does it take, will it take, I don't know, but uh, 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 still some more months of this year will not be uh, able to make plans because it's difficult.
0: Yeah, it's almost impossible. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, it's- I'm curious, one more thing about sustainable tourism was I had read this article, which I read this article on LinkedIn because I love LinkedIn, but I read this article talking about the sustainable tourism tax in Mallorca, and I saw that it began while I lived there, and I had no idea. I, I had never even heard that there was a sustainable tourism tax, maybe because I never stayed well, in Mallorca. hotel. this is,
1: again, what I'm, has a, a real connection to what I said before. Mm-hmm. The tax—it sounds in theory should sound good, but it is what we say in Spanish is a finalist tax. So when the tourists pay a few euros or dollars per day, uh, this money should be uh, used exactly for the purposes that the tourists expect,
0: mm-hmm. and in that process
1: this is where it can come the problem because. Uh, The tax is administrated 100% by the authorities. In theory, they have an advisory advisory body with stakeholders, with private stakeholders, but at the end of the day, who decides is uh, the authorities who have the majority, always have the majority. And here comes again the the word accountability. So in these four or five years who already covered the tax, well, I must admit, the expenditure could be much better, could be much more improved. First, the red tape of the administration makes the expenditure very, very terribly small, which is incredible in terms of uh, private mentality. Uh, I must admit, I have private mentality, business mentality. Sure. So, and second, not always have been used this funding for the purposes that the tourists should expect. So, I tell you, and then, with pressure from the sector, because in one hand, as as long as the tourist is more uh, sustainably minded, maybe is more ready to pay a tax, but also the tourist will require a benefit from this tax. And the situation was that not as cities, because you know, in many cities already become a tax, uh, Paris, uh, Barcelona, and so forth. But Mallorca was the, the first wager uh, destination in Western in, Europe that got the, the tax. And uh, so, of course, the other competitive destination in Spain or even in Italy and North Africa and so forth will be very happy to say, okay, okay, if a family spends 100 euros for a week, the whole family, so my destination is 100 euros uh, cheaper. Yeah. So that's the point. Uh, until we can demonstrate very, very uh, transparency in the uh, expenditure of these tax will be a process and especially after COVID now uh, all, all the situation changed because I don't know what, what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I so think... Now, I think that's a common something that we see, too, when I talk to other destinations in in Oregon, but in other places Mm. as well, is even just the general tourism tax, not having to do anything with sustainability, is that locals Mm. don't understand, like, how is the money even being used? Is Mm. it going back to help, you know, manage the amount of tourism that we have? Like, there's a lot of confusion because there really isn't transparency in how much money did the tax collect? How exactly what it was... how exactly was it used and where am I seeing that is it fixing the roads is it building more bathrooms and so I you know yes, I think this idea of a tourism tax and a sustainable tourism tax really require that transparency um, that we mentioned because, earlier
1: because uh, at the end of the day tourists pay much more other taxes it seems that tourists don't pay taxes that's not true they pay the and then when they buy uh, any other products they have different taxes the companies or the, where they stay, the hotels and so forth, pay all the taxes. So it doesn't mean that the, the tourists. So if we are um, requesting a special tax for a special finality, must must be very, very transparent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated and um, it's something to think about. And I think and it's yes. a good thing to talk so, about. Yeah.
1: And it's not always a competitiveness asset. Yeah. Uh, so in in the near future will be, but very transparent. And yeah. Because I I, I I assume that tourist itself will be more um, sustainability minded than now. Because this yeah. is again, we cannot we cannot stop this trend. And yeah, sure it's that.
0: it's an interesting trend. I think I just read a report this morning that like seventy eight percent of. People that are planning on visiting want to do so sustainably, and they want to choose sustainable destinations and hotels. And so, I think yes. that is one thing out of out of the coronavirus is that people are seeing their impact mm-hmm. on the world um, and wanting to just travel, not stop traveling, mm-hmm. but travel better in the way that they're in doing. It. So,
1: yes, yeah. is we call uh, a reset of tourism. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> th- this is- but I tell you, still, how in detail nobody knows what will, will be the, the tendency, but this, this is the path, and, and we cannot change this this because it's just impossible. Nothing can yeah. be the same. Uh, I cannot imagine the thousands of thousands of cruise passengers uh, stopping in a port and, and just, you see, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, making a city so full. Uh, something, I, I think. It will be difficult to see that that again.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, and I think it's this is a great time to kind of zoom out and look at, you know, your international work that you've mentioned. Um, I love you said earlier how, uh, you yeah. know, re- even though if you're not from a destination, a lot of our issues are the same, and I think that you you are an expert in that. You've presented at numer- numerous international conferences, including. Places like Russia, Prague, Germany, mm-hmm. Argentina, Ireland, Morocco, Bolivia, and New Zealand, and that's just well, what I saw. Um, so, is there a common theme? Are you know? Are you? Are they asking you to present on the same thing? Are um, these conferences well, are generally? As, as I said
1: before, the world is big and small at the same time. <laughs> very small details make. Very, very near one from each other, even in, in, in different cultures. But uh, the key point is that tourism is, is, is a human necessity to, to be curious, you see? Mm-hmm. If, even if you live in a paradise, you need to see different things. It's a necessity, it's a feeling. You need to taste different food. I don't know, you the smell, all, all, all the feelings is something that that uh, uh, everybody needs. And also it's very interesting because in theory uh, when people travel well let's say for business, but the travel from the people is associated to the holiday, of course, this is no way. You see, they should are supposed to be the happiest days of the year. Don't you agree with me? So yes, it's, yeah. it's a big responsibility when you think it, you see, it's not if you travel, it's because you have been working hard so many months and you, you deserve a break to enjoy it, to have the happiest days of the year, to disconnect and so forth. So that's a responsibility also for the host community to facilitate that. But of course, always with respect from, from both sides in behavior. Yeah. In behavior, in, in uh, to behave green as well, of course. Uh, So always to find this, this, this point. So the host community should be very proud that different people uh, choose the place to have such nice days. But also the tourists should know that must be, must have a respect for the people who are hosting them. You see?
0: So this this is
1: in so many, in so many places in, in the world. This is a common issue. That yeah. how, how to ensemble these different feelings Because the uh, 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 at, at the end is is, is it, it was it was uh, uh, is this about? So tourism is transversal. Must be taken in, in a transversal way in the management of the regions of the cities, because uh, otherwise is no is no way. And especially now that tourists, uh, for example. Even more use public transport so public transport initially was designed for local people so this this is a a change points and capacities so has good things and and not so good things that you need to combine
0: yeah it's interesting thinking of all these different countries and i mean russia argentina ireland sounds so different right polar opposites of just what they have to offer but Ultimately, mm. like what you're saying, is all of these destinations have a responsibility to, you know, manage mm. tourists to have a good experience because it's true. Those are yeah. the happiest days. People are vacationing yeah. because they want to get out and it's a positive thing. Uh, and mean, es- yeah, especially when mm. we tie it back to cultural heritage, I think but, a lot of times, like, the more a visitor knows, the more they care. So it's interesting, and, like the more they yes. experience your cultural heritage, the more they care about your country and the people and the products it has to offer. So it's a really unique kind of niche market, you know, that you're working in with cultural heritage and managing visitors and the community balance around those experiences. These experience, feelings, if you have not experience,
1: you, you cannot trust it sometimes. Because I, I, what I said before, many... Th- people from the academic world, which is top, I, I have a lot of respect for them, but not, they have not always the real contacts. I, I, sometimes I, I tell them, can you, I have, for example, someone, some North Americans, as you know, most of them just come very seldom to Mallorca. But okay. I, have, I have a few small groups every year. And in my old house, we offer a tasting and I see them, then in my family living room. So you couldn't imagine how, how happy they feel, how grateful they transmit the gratefulness to me. This sensation is something not any money can pay that. You know, and saying, I've never been host in a family house like right here. I don't know. So these sensations make tourism something worth. So I'm just, I feel sorry with tourism, uh, with the world, with this tendency, which I agree, but we need to see which solution could be. Of course, the long long haul traveling is not so green friendly. That's mm-hmm. my main concern. Because, of yeah. course, as you said, Ryanair uh, through Europe to Mallorca is two hours flight. So that's, well... But of course, I would like to go, for example, to California, but or to Australia. <laughs> but now we have so much input and make us think: Is that sustainable to buy a ticket, uh, a twenty-hour ticket airplane? Uh, uh, I tell you, I, I have my doubts and my concern because I have so few. I want to meet people, not just. In, the nearby you see so that's something should be discussed Uh, and i don't know or come green energy for for the for the airplanes i don't know yeah
0: yeah i think they're all great questions and i think Mm -hmm. something you said that really spoke to me is hospitality you know in tourism we are the we are the best industry we are the experts at being hospitable and welcoming people into our homes, into our towns, and giving this amazing, unforgettable experience. So this past Mm -hmm. year, and really not being able to do that for most of the year has Mm -hmm. been very challenging on tourism, both economically, but also just Mm -hmm. in the spirit of what we do is really speaking to hospitality. So... um, Thanks for mentioning yes. that. And also, I would, as a North American, I'll make sure I'm coming to Condet next time I'm in Mallorca. Oh,
1: more, more than a pleasure. Yes. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've never been to, to, to the West Coast in the States. So I, you, I tell you, I have this feeling. I, I have to. Yes. yes.
0: I think you have to too. The Oregon coast, I, I have to pitch it. It's one of the best places in the world. So, yes. Um, you know yeah well my my last question for you as we wrap up here is and this is almost just out of personal curiosity as someone who has worked all over the world um and probably traveled all over the world, if you could go anywhere after the, after restrictions lift um what destination would you go to
1: well first of all i, I- I am not so important, I am a very simple person, don't think I am, I am such, such a star, I'm not a star at all, <laughs> but, uh, I, am, uh, but I, am, I am very committed, I agree, uh, I must admit, I, am, I, am, I have passion, to that extent, yes, passion, I have passion, but, well, you was difficult, uh, because I, have, I don't know if I have to be diplomatic or not. <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, because I, I re, I'm sorry, but I don't know if you, you are neighbors, if you have Rivalty. stay in the Rivalty regions or towns, uh, uh, the neighbor towns have Rivalty. So uh, I really would like to, to visit California. Mm-hmm. Of course, I can come after uh, to, to Oregon or even to Washington if we go north. But yes uh, I, I have feelings for, for for California because the the majorkin the Mallorca wing with with the the, the missions the yeah. uh you were you were in Mallorca, maybe you you visit petra the yeah. western the californian uh monjo priest uh, so many many town cities in California are, are from from Mallorca names so that's an attraction and also uh, last but not least <laughs> uh, <laughs> some versions claim that the mayor the um, Californian oranges and lemons come from Mallorca because that that priest uh, uh, was still for a period in a convent here in Soyer mm-hmm. and soer is, is the the uh, one of the oldest grove, um, orange groves in, in, in the mediterranean so that yeah. at least we have this, this version maybe it's not, it's not scientifically true but yes i, I really would, would like to visit some places doesn't mean yeah. uh, i know it's very <laughs> over- overcrowded and uh, the landscape i have here uh, the same we have the same pounds uh, we are not so crowded but this is a place but also I was impressed with uh, when you mentioned that in, in Argentina,
0: mm-hmm. because
1: I they are. I visited in, in, in the in the north in Mendoza. Uh, I visited the place where they uh, I found olive groves and old oil mills, and they was also and they also have a lot of water conduction systems. So yeah. Argentina is as uh, as United States much uh, recent the history of of the. Uh, and, and, and the, the population, but also uh, was very impressed to, to be there. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I think that you would love California. My mom is from California mm-hmm. and when she came to Mallorca, she did go to Petra because she's been to all the missions in mm-hmm. California and my parents were married in one of the missions that is connected to Mallorca. Mm, so she came and, of course, like she grew up in California. Loved Mallorca, very (laughs) similar climate, like even sort of the mountains look the same. And then some of my friends, and I don't know if they were teasing me, but they're convinced that california and mayor means dust oven because of the word foreign and cali kali. Mm. <laughs> so they're like it's it's mayor like this is a mayor name and I like talk <laughs> about that, <but> yes.
1: <laughs>
0: so i think there are some ties in that if you come to california i will i will try to help set up a little trip for you give you some input oh. um, but yeah those sound like amazing amazing places for you to visit
1: <laughs> yes. So well, I tell you, is um, I hope the situation is over soon, but will be good to rethink some things. I think it's necessary as well, not to think yeah. that we can re- uh, do things and take the, uh, so many life experiences like uh, one uh, one year ago, almost one year ago. So yeah, something cool. has to change, but. Well, sometimes humans don't don't learn um, from mistakes.
0: Right. <laughs> That's our, our our
1: main weakness. Weakness. We, yeah. we
0: never learn enough from our own
1: mistakes. So. I <laughs>
0: <know>. <laughs> well, at least yeah. we have people um, like you working at, at oil mills, but also in larger kind mm-hmm. of initiatives and strategies for destinations and um it's been really great chatting with you today we covered a lot of different topics from you know cultural landscapes being working landscapes um balancing accountability transparency and destinations so um thank you again for being on the show tomeo it was great talking to you and i look forward to sitting down with you someday in Mallorca.
1: Well, it will be a real pleasure, as I said. And whatever you wish, I am always at your disposal. It will will be a pleasure.
0: Yeah. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. This has been your host, Erica Sears, with Tomeo Dea Canals on Big Tourism. (laughs)